Today's reading is from John 4 verses 3 to 19 and 28 to 30. So Jesus left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When the Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Anyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty again and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man that has told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Good morning, St. Peter's. It's great to be here this morning in our beautiful building. However, I am missing all of your great faces. Um, I am looking out over the food bank stuff, which is really exciting. We've been sending food to over 100 people a week now. But as a result of that, I am looking at tins of baked beans and spam. Not quite as good looking as you. So. That's a bit happy and sad at the same time. Um, unlike Ben though, I just want to reassure everyone that I'm not wearing pajamas on the bottom. I'm appropriately dressed. Um, although some of you have been telling me that you love wearing pajamas to church, so maybe that's something we can look at for the future. <laughs> um, we have been talking about how we endure during this time. It's becoming clear that we're not going to go back to normal anytime soon and although that's a really difficult thing in many ways it's also an exciting time when we can learn to grow into a new normal and come out of this in a better place than we went into it so we've been having a great series on endurance and looking at how we navigate this time as a body together if you haven't listened to them please go back and listen to Ben talking about enduring in hope that was from two weeks ago and then last week, Hanel did a brilliant thing on how we endure as family, how we uh, continue to be connected and grow together as a family during this time. We know that we are a family on mission to bring people home. 
And so today I'm going to be talking about how we endure in mission. When I say this word mission, I'm wondering what you think, what goes off in your head. I'm going to tell you a little story while you're thinking about that. This story happened uh, a week ago Wednesday. We were just closing up the food bank and about to go home and a man uh, approached us. He started talking to Hilary and Anne McBride who were there with me to the bitter end and he started sharing his story. He was a migrant worker who had lost all of his employment here and was sleeping rough on the streets of Southeast London, somewhere near, nearby here. And he came to us obviously hungry. We gave him a food package, stuff that he could eat right away without having to cook. But what he was really asking us for was money to get a flight home to Romania. We were not quite sure how to help him with that. So we said, come back tomorrow. We'll try and find some answers for you. In the meantime, I made a few phone calls, didn't really get anywhere. Um, finally got put through to a woman uh, at the Thames Reach organization. And she rang me back just as this man was walking up the drive to um, meet me. I explained the situation to her and she was a little bit taken aback. And she said, in the current climate, I would have said to you, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing I can do to help with this situation. But two hours ago, I got an email saying that the Romanian consulate was scheduling a flight to Bucharest. It goes on Saturday. This was Thursday. Can he get on a plane on Saturday? So I put the phone down and said, can you get on a plane to Bucharest on Saturday? And he said, yeah. And we checked out his documentation. He was okay. He had, you know, a, a Romanian ID. The Thames link, uh, sorry, the Thames, Thames link is a different thing. The Thames Reach organization worker came over, the outreach worker. They filled in paperwork. They got him into a B&B &B so he wasn't homeless. We took him um, food. And the next morning we met him again here at church. And uh, Johan and Lynn and Carol all brought him some new clothes to wear because he was quite concerned about getting on the plane and going home to his village in his scruffy, dirty t-shirt and shorts. So he got on that plane on Thursday with a brand new suitcase full of clean clothes. And he got to Romania two days after we met him. This was, to me, an amazing example of how we come together as family on mission. And in this case, we literally saw someone go home. I wonder what you think when you hear the word mission. For some of you, it sounds like a scary word. Ooh, I don't know if I do that. I do me, you do you, I'm not gonna bother you. End of story. For some of us, we're quite the opposite. We're like, I know the plan of salvation. I know the four spiritual laws. I know how to explain to you through scripture that you are a depraved sinner far from God and that Jesus died on the cross so that you could come back to God. I, I've got it down. I know how to do mission. For some of us, we feel the opposite of that even. Ooh, I don't do all of that talking about Jesus, but I will do social action and I'll get involved in community projects and I'll do things that serve you and help you to improve your life. For some others of us, we're like, no, no, it's all about signs and wonders and miracles and seeing those things happen. 
What I wonder is, how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do mission? I kind of think he combined all of those things that we just talked about. But let's have a look. Ellie just beautifully read us this story of the woman at the well from John 4. And what we see here is Jesus, as he always did, was proclaiming the kingdom of heaven is here. But he did this in two ways. He proclaimed, as I just said, he spoke about it, but he also demonstrated. And you'll see throughout the Gospels that the good news of Jesus was he, he preached it through using both proclamation and demonstration. What does that mean? Well, let's see how he did it in this story. We come to this story where Jesus is uh, sitting down by the well. He's probably exhausted and hot. He's been traveling all over with his disciples. All he wants is a little peace and quiet. He wants to put his feet up and have a drink. I'm sure lots of us can identify with that feeling, especially when we're um, in small spaces with lots of children and people. Well, he doesn't let that stop him. He, he, he doesn't stop at his comfort. But when this woman approaches him, he begins to engage with her. Now, this was a scandalous thing. Because Jesus was a man, men were not meant to speak to women who they were not related to or married to at the time. Jesus was also a Jew, and this woman was a Samaritan. These people did not get on. They had theological, political, historical differences. Jesus was not meant to be speaking to this woman at all, but he did. The other thing about this woman is that it appears that she was ostracized from her community. Most people would have chosen to come to that well to get water um, in the cool of the day, either the morning or the evening. And the scripture here tells us that she came at noon when it was the, the hottest time and when no one else would have been around. And so it was just her and Jesus there. And despite all of these social taboos, Jesus immediately begins to engage with her. He comes first of all, and I think this is a really important point to note, he comes with genuine love, compassion and care for her. He doesn't come with an agenda. He doesn't look at her and think, you need to repent and I know how to help you do that. He comes to her with real compassion and real love. How does he approach her? Well, he comes through humility. His first statement to her is, could you give me a drink? He humbles himself and lets her serve him. I love that about Jesus. And I think that's a, a real example for us when we get, begin to engage with people. He also speaks to her, already really a momentous thing. I think he looks her in the eye. He listens to her. He gives her a voice. He engages with her intellectually. He doesn't um, dismiss her questions. And so she already begins to know, this man cares about me. I feel safe with him. I feel seen and, and, and loved and cared for when I'm with him. I feel comfortable. Well, Jesus doesn't stop there. This woman begins to argue points about religion. Samaritans say this, Jews say this. What's the actual truth? Jesus cuts through all of that. And he does it with a simple question. Now, that question, come, I think, came to him in the form of a word of knowledge. These are spiritual gifts that were given by the Holy Spirit in order to help us to show who God is. Jesus sees through this word of knowledge that this woman has a deep thirst for love, for connection. What she really longs for is the love of God. 
Now, how does Jesus help her get to that point and see that herself? Because I think this is probably a need in her that she wouldn't have been able to articulate even. Jesus says to her, go and call your husband. She says, ooh, don't have a husband. Jesus says, yeah, that's true. Actually, I think you've had five husbands and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. Then she responds with this verse that I think is hilarious. Oh, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. She knew that God saw her. You could say God had her number, except it doesn't come with any condemnation. She starts to realize God sees everything about me and he's still talking to me. He still wants to be with me. I think she's really grabbed at that point. And Jesus has already immediately shown her this is what God is like this is what his character is like look at his power working that he knows everything about you even though we've never met before this is the incredible way of using spiritual gifts when we interact with people Jesus also proclaims the gospel she says sir I know that the Messiah is coming and Jesus says I the one speaking to you I am he so he, can you see that he uses both things? He demonstrates God's power, he does it in love, and he also proclaims, I am the Messiah, I'm the way to God. He combines all of those things in showing who God is. This is how he does mission. And if you look through the Gospels, this is the way he does it over and over again. A really great exercise, if you wanted to get into this a little bit more, would be to go through one of the Gospels and just to note, to underline or circle or make a note in your margins, in the margins of your Bible, every time Jesus proclaims something and every time Jesus demonstrates something. He uses both of them over and over to say the kingdom of heaven is here. And I think that he's inviting us to follow his example and to do the same thing. What would this look like for us if we're trying to proclaim and demonstrate the kingdom of God, how does it begin? For some of us, it, it, I think it's gonna start with a bit of a mindset shift where we have been like, oh, I don't know if people wanna hear this. Let me tell you, people are thirsty for God, just like this woman. They might not realize it yet, and they certainly wouldn't tell you that, but people are hungry and thirsty for the reality of God. They're looking for love. They're looking for connection and relationship. They're looking for unconditional acceptance. They're looking for forgiveness. They're looking for purpose in their lives. They're asking themselves, especially in this time, why am I on this planet? What am I here for? And Jesus has all the answers for, for those things. So for some of us, it's a shift in our thinking. God, I have good news to give. Now can you start to show me how to give that away? For some of us, putting this proclamation and demonstration into action is going to mean that we're going to have to begin showing what the kingdom of God looks like. And I think this happens in the two ways that I've just talked about. It happens by doing practical things for people. Um, ringing someone up, writing a message saying, I'm thinking of you, how are you? Um, here's some food. Can I bake you a cake? It goes from simple to you know, more elaborate, but it's a practical way of showing God's love to the people around us. The other way of demonstrating the kingdom, which is so amazing, is through using the spiritual gifts and the miraculous. We have chances um, waiting in line at Sainsbury's um, with family members to pray for the sick, 
And both Muna and Lizzie gave us beautiful examples of that last week. Um, praying for someone over Zoom and seeing complete healing, seeing the pain go from the shoulder, seeing an eye that couldn't see clearly, suddenly able to see clearly. Amazing stuff. Um, so we demonstrate the kingdom of God by using love and power. For some of us, I think this shift into mission is going to be a shift of taking the sweet things we have with Jesus out onto the streets. We're having these beautiful worship times in our homes. We're live streaming every church that ever there was. But we need to be able to take the miraculous things that we're seeing in our lives, the way that we're hearing God, the way that we're experiencing and encountering him, and help people around us to experience and encounter him as well. What would it look like if all of us, in big or small ways, could start doing this where we are? Well, I think that our neighborhoods would begin to be transformed. And I think that would have a huge impact on Broccoli and on Southeast London. Um, this can be scary to start with, but it's so exciting. Once you've taken a few risks, once you've kind of stepped out of the boat, as it were, um, you're going to be, begin to see that God meets you. Bit like that story with the Romanian man, we took a few steps which were purely practical and God met us with the miracle of a plane going to Bucharest. We couldn't have done that, but we wouldn't have seen the miracle had we not taken some practical steps. Um, I'm gonna give you another example. Now this happened to me before lockdown, but I think it applies to our lockdown situations because I had uh, an Amazon delivery person ring my bell quite late at night package wasn't for me sadly but I opened the door and took the package and I it was like this dark night it was cold and rainy and I could just see how exhausted she was so I said would you like a cup of tea she said I would love that so I went into the kitchen to make her tea and while I was there I was just started asking Jesus what do you have for this woman how do you want to encounter her and quite quickly as I was making the tea I saw this picture in my mind of her standing on an island in the middle of a sea and the water was coming up and up and up. So praying in tongues and just praying as I walked back to the door with the tea, gave her the tea, she was really grateful for that. And I just said, this is a little unusual, but I'm practicing hearing what God says and I think he said something to me for you. Could I tell you what it is? Now, in my experience over the years, 99% of people are thrilled to receive words that you have for them from God, to receive prayer. I've almost never had people say no, and I've tried this with Muslims and Buddhists and Hindus and agnostics and whoever's. Uh, people are very open to hearing what God has to say for them, to them. So she, like that, said, sure, go for it. So I started to share the picture with her, and I said, you know, you feel like your life circumstances are overwhelming, and you feel like you're about to drown. You're just barely keeping your head above water, and it's going to overwhelm you anytime soon. But God says, he's on the island with you. He has not left you alone. He sees you, and life is not going to overwhelm you. She started to get incredibly emotional, and she just opened up and shared all kinds of things about her life with me. And then it was very easy for me to say, can we pray about these things together? Again, she said, yeah, go for it. That by this time, her heart's wide open to God and what he wants to do. 
So we got to pray together about her physical situation. She had several illnesses that she was struggling with that were really hampering her work. We got to then pray about her economic situation and about her family situation. I left with an Amazon package, not for me again, but she left with hope. And she left with a deeper understanding that God saw her and cared about her. I was able to say, this is God, and I was able to show her this is God because through that picture I had for her, that word of knowledge, she knew that God saw her and he cared enough to have someone speak those words to her. The other thing that showed her who God is was that she got a cup of tea. Um, she also left the cup, which I need to buy and replace for the people I live with. Sorry, Leonard. But um, all of those things together, I think, helped to show her who God is. She later showed me, uh, told me that um, she had had some kind of church background as a child, but had really rejected it and walked away from it. So I think this was really restorative for her in her relationship with God. I share this story just because it was so simple. It wasn't anything I'd planned to do that evening, but as you're sort of open to these things, God does stuff. As we just begin to take some risks, he comes and meets us and does really amazing things. How are we gonna do this? Well, all of us are seeing <laughs> delivery people at our doors. I'm just imagining all the delivery people in London are gonna be so blessed and prayed for over the next couple of weeks. Well, I hope so anyway. We are standing in line in um, Sainsbury's lines for sometimes long periods of time with people we don't know. Great chance to genuinely check in with people. How are you doing? How are you surviving this? Are you okay? Listening to people. This is a great help for people's emotional and mental health. Um, and then saying, oh, could we pray with you about the fact that you don't have a job and you're struggling to pay your rent? Could we pray because you, you know, you've shared that you're dealing with a lot of anxiety. Could I ask Jesus to come with peace and to take that anxiety from you? Um, can I pray for your sore knee or your migraines, whatever it is, whatever they're able to reveal or what God reveals to you, get on and pray for those things. I think there could be great things happening in our grocery stores during this time. Um, we're also interacting online with a ton of people, either for work or just to keep ourselves socially connected. I know that I've been connected with people um, that I haven't really kept in touch with for a long time. Because I'm you know, isolated in my home, it's forcing me to make connections with people and we're really blessed to have the technology to do that. Let's use those times to say, God, what do you have for this person? How can I bless them? How can I reach out to them? How can I love them? How can I show them who you are during this time? Again, using spiritual gifts, using prayer, using um, just genuine care and love for people, doing practical things for people. We've also got lots of things here corporately which are still running even though we're not meeting in the building. Um, we've got dance and fishes online still. Please invite your neighbors and friends to join in the, with those things. Invite people to join our live streams. I have to say, I think they're really great. And um, lots of people who haven't encountered Jesus are much more open. So invite your friends and family to listen and watch our live streams. Um, invite people to healing rooms. Um, we can pray pe for people on our own as we 
as we've been hearing from Lizzie and Muna and other people. But if you're feeling like you're not quite up to that, bring your friends, sign up for a healing room. It's just one click on our website and bring them along and then learn how we pray for people. And I think when people get healed, they know that God is, is with them and for them. Um, join in our food bank. We've got so many opportunities to, to get into people's homes, to get into many of the housing estates around Broccoli, to deliver a food package to someone. They're always pleased to see you in that case. And to say, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? Um, what else do you need? I think God's saying this to you. Can I pray for your body to be healed? Whatever it is, we've got so many more opportunities to interact with people when, when, in a way that, that they're already open because we're coming to them with, with food. <laughs> Food's always the way, isn't it? We're also going to be beginning Alpha. So if you know that you're needing to get beyond just action, but you want to actually say, this love, this social action comes from Jesus, Alpha is a great way to bring people to that and to learn yourself how to share who Jesus is with others. I think the result is going to be transformation. And it's exactly like what happened with this woman. Verse 28, she says, then leaving her water jar, I mean, she didn't even take it with her. She went back to the town and she said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? I think as we begin to step out in proclamation and demonstration of the kingdom of God, people are going to say, could this be the one I'm looking for? Could this be the answer to all of my internal thirst and hunger? I'm really excited to hear what's going to happen as we, as a family, begin to engage a mission, both corporately in the things I've mentioned, but also individually with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family, with strangers. God is always willing to meet us when we step out. He always does more than we could imagine. And so let's get on this. Let's get started. I mean, many of you are already started and this, this um, family has overwhelmed me just as I've been working on the food bank with their generosity, with time, with um, love. It's just amazing. Um, so we're already started on this, but let's endure in it. Let's keep going. Let's begin to um, ask God daily, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to say? How can I share? How can I show who you really are? So I really look forward over the next few weeks to hearing some stories of what God does as we step out.